Hey, what's up, Zelina? You're listening to Contrast. I want to talk about Internet of Things technology because most of the stuff I've been hearing about is like super boring because it has nothing to do with the average person. This is the nature of IoT. It involves machine-to-machine communication where you have to have a huge network of things that you need to monitor in order to be really efficient. And that's normally only applied in industry, so like agriculture, transportation, logistics, and in government. So like any time where you have something that is in the physical world, you need to be translated to the digital world and then has to communicate with another machine. So for example, camera or a thermostat, those are physical sensing devices that translate real world information into pixels or ones and zeros that you can then view on a digital platform. But we average people don't really have a huge network of things. I know you probably heard about the smart home concept, but that's really niche because it's not cheap. It's not practical. So at the end of the day, it's not disruptive, right? Disruptive technology is accessible to everyone. So it's going to change the whole landscape because it's efficient. I'm not really a huge fan of autonomous cars, but they're promising that they're going to interact with each other. So they're not really going to rely on Wi-Fi or 5G or nothing like that. They're going to have their own radio frequency where they can talk to each other and also have sensors around them so they can work on their own. And as an enhancement, they'll also be able to communicate with traffic signals to bring about the promise of smart cities. I'm going to give an example. There's a place near St. Louis where they partnered with this app. They installed sensors in the parking spaces so you can see which are empty and drive over to it. So it makes stuff really easy, especially for congested and highly populated areas. There's a few applications that are really at the surface, but think about something that's going to be very disruptive is something that you personally have a network of, something you would be able to pay for, right? So something that can become cheap enough for you to access. So So think about something that you have an abundance of, and it's very key that you monitor this. And you probably got the answer, right? You are a network. What are you a network of? You're a biological network of genes, of proteins, of cells, of neurons. Just imagine connecting all of those to a network for a second. Do you think that's possible? I do. I don't know if it's a good idea, but I think it's possible. It's not something that has been possible for a very long time because every year our microprocessors are getting smaller. So at this point, it's not even a microprocessor, it's a nanoprocessor, right? So it's about the size of a single strand of DNA. So our robots have become so tiny very recently. And another example of biotechnology advancement, it's just 20 years ago, thousands and thousands of scientists, it took them 10 years to sequence the human genome. Now, you can just pay a thousand bucks and you can get a whole human genome sequence in like a couple of days, right? So that's an example of a biological test that's advanced technologically and it's become very, very cheap and very accessible. So just think about how this applies to healthcare overall, how much we're spending on healthcare. And the answer is going to be getting information in your hands much quicker. See, that's where a lot of our technological advancements are going to be. So we have a lot of things available right now, but we can't get in your hands fast enough. We can't feed that data into like a big data pool in the cloud get the algorithms turning, get the AI trained, and and be able to take action very quickly. So I'm going to give you an example. Imagine you're a farmer. you got, you know, you got thousands of crops. Some of them, they even got drones taking pictures. That's a lot of data rolling in. And they might have to wait one day, two days, three days, or the end of the week to be able to load all that data to the cloud and process it and come up with some sort of conclusions with machine learning algorithms, right? But see, when things advance, they scale and automate, we're going to be getting it faster and faster. You know what I'm saying? By the end of the day, or even instantaneously. Okay, but the infrastructure is very expensive. So my point here is that until that happens, 
we're not going to be able to implement this onto a human biological network. We got 5G just came out this year, you know, before 4G, we didn't have Instagram Live, Facebook Live, so that wasn't something that was feasible. So 5G is going to be very similar and, and that there's a lot of technological advancements that's, that's going to change the landscape. We're going to have more things in our hand faster in real time, you know, where bigger amounts of data can be processed all at the same time. And I think that's necessary for these things that I've been talking about. So what's going to be most relevant to you is going to be your own personal network. So look at your wrist, that smartwatch, you know, it came ahead of its time. There's not very many applications when it first came out. It's been growing bit by bit, but it's not going to live up to its full potential for a little bit of time now until we have some more advanced and cheap biological tests that can have a wide range of applications, such as, I know that there's a lot of things that are prototyped in research, right? There was this device that could detect pretty accurately a wide range of diseases just by taking particles in your breath. That's a, that's a really good example of a technology that, that can be relevant to everyone and have a wide range of applications. Now, the only catch here is uh, data. You know, health insurance companies are going to play a big role in this, but you're going to have to share your data. And it sucks sometimes because you want to be able to access this kind of technology. You want to be able to have and see your data. But in exchange for that, you may or may not be able to opt out of sharing your data with health insurance companies, with your doctor, and even with the government. Okay, I say government because... Think about all the contact tracing programs we've already implemented. See, that, that's a direct Internet of Things application. It's the network of the population, right? There's some governments that have actually implemented GPS tracking softwares on people's phones to physically sense the coordinates. And then a software will intelligently determine what people's contacts were for disease management, right? Now, we have to decide whether that's worth it and whether this kind of stuff actually is effective and worth all of the consequences that come with it. Now, one last thing I thought was very interesting is hydrogel. See, forget about the microchip implant thing. That was never a thing. Maybe for dogs, but that was never a thing in humans. But see, if you're interested, look up hydrogel. It's, it's the implant of the future. Hydrogel is a physical sensing device that lives inside of your body and can communicate information outside of your body. Listen, that's all I got for today. Yo, hit up my friend Landon. He's got this new travel agency and he wants to give you a free consultation. He's He's a really good guy to have in your contacts. Just hit him up on Instagram, Wyatt Vacations, W-Y-A-T-T Vacations. Or hit up his Gmail, Vacations at gmail.com. And if you want to follow my Twitter, I don't really do anything on there. You can follow my Twitter, Alien A Said So. So thanks for listening. I'll see you later.